the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com. I'm Todd Marquardt. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning in lawsuits, guardianships, probate, real estate breach of contract, and personal injury. Check out our blog at marquartlawfirm.com to read about uh, Bear County virtual jury trials. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please help me to do a good job talking about real estate law today and help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're going to be talking about real estate law, um, focusing on Texas. Uh, Some real estate law can be applied in other states, Um, but like I said before in the warning and the disclosure, you want to contact an attorney to really understand your specific circumstances. And I would consider this to be like real estate 101. I'm not going to talk about everything about real estate law because real estate is such a big area of law. I'll talk about those things that I deal with on a day-to-day basis mostly. Uh, We'll talk about homestead. We'll talk about gifts. We'll talk about what happens if you lose uh, capacity or the ability to understand your real estate. We'll talk about what happens on death. We'll talk about uh, different kinds of trusts, and we'll talk about some problems that I've seen other people facing and maybe how you can avoid those or at least know it's an issue. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Texas homestead. Now, in the the Texas uh, Constitution and the Texas Property Code, there's a statute in Section 42 and and following about the homestead being exempt from creditors. 
Now, don't get all excited. You still have to pay your mortgage. And if somebody improves your home, they do remodeling or something like that, they might be able to put a mechanics lien that is enforceable. What I'm talking about are other types of creditors, and there's a whole host of uh, exceptions to this rule. So don't go around trying to circumvent the law and and avoiding paying your bills. Uh, You would want to talk to a lawyer first before you get into those specifics. But generally speaking, your homestead is protected from creditors, except the mortgage, except the builder who built it or the uh, remodeler who remodeled it, and um, except for income taxes. You know, the IRS can pretty much do whatever they want in order to collect uh, taxes, federal income taxes and uh, federal estate taxes and such. Um, but do you remember what happened after O.J. Simpson uh, was acquitted from his uh, criminal trial in, uh, out in California. Well, there was a lawsuit that followed by the, the heirs of Nicole Brown Simpson who wanted to get money damages from him for, for her wrongful death. What happened, I think, this is just my opinion, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what was going through uh, Mr. Simpson's head, But he is a public figure, so I can talk about him. He's in the news all the time. He moved to Florida, and I would say he bought the biggest house he could afford. And why do you think he did that? Because Florida has laws that are similar to Texas. There's a law that protects the homestead from creditors. And a wrongful death lawsuit could be one of those creditors. Now, if there were exemplary damages or punitive damages, maybe that would be an exception. Um, but I think that he was able to buy that Florida home, and I don't think that uh, the the judgment against him in the wrongful death suit was able to attach or cause him to sell that Florida property. If you have more specific information on that, if you think that I'm wrong, then just send me an email at host at talklawradio.com, H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. In fact, you can email me about lots of things. If you have an idea for the show, if there's a legal topic that you would like to discuss, let me know. I'm interested. Uh, I can't think of everything, so I rely on my listeners to give me feedback. So anyway... We we're talking about the, the homestead exemption. Uh, it's, it's very powerful to own your own home, and, you know, chances are people aren't going to be able to kick you out of your own house and take it because of something that you've done. If, you've, uh, have, if your credit card bills are too high, if, if you don't um, pay other types of bills, like for your cell phone or whatever, they're not going to be able to force you to sell your home to pay them. Now, if you don't pay the utility bills, well, your water might be shut off, your electricity might be shut off. If you don't pay your property taxes, well, they can foreclose on your home because of that. And here's something interesting. If you don't pay your homeowner association dues, they can force you to sell your home. So these are some of the exceptions that uh, apply to the, that general rule that uh, you can't be forced to sell your home. Some other assets that are protected that are that's just interesting to know are uh, $60,000 in cash or personal property such as home furnishings, family heirlooms, uh, provisions for consumption, that's like groceries, Farming or ranching vehicles and implements like tractors, tools, equipment, books, and apparatus, including uh, boats and motor vehicles, but must be used in trade or profession. Wearing apparel, like clothes. Jewelry, not to exceed 25% of the aggregate. Two firearms. Athletic and sporting equipment, including bicycles. 
a two-wheeled, three-wheeled, or four-wheeled motor vehicle for each member of a family or single adult who, who holds a driver's license or who does not hold a driver's license but who relies on another person to operate the vehicle for the benefit of the non-licensed person. Two horses, mules or donkeys, and a saddle, blanket, and bridle for each, 12 head of cattle, 60 head of other types of livestock, uh, that might be goats or sheep or whatever, 120 fowl, and household pets. So those would also be exempt from seizure if you got behind on your bills. Um, Some other things would be uh, retirement accounts, uh, life insurance, uh, college savings plans. So there are various ways to, to protect your assets. Um, but I always tell people, uh, the time to start protecting your assets is now. You can't wait until the lawsuit's already been filed because then it's probably too late. And whatever the cost it is to deal with a lawyer for protecting and preserving your assets, it's probably less expensive than losing all of your assets or in defending yourself in a lawsuit. So first, you want you want to go see the lawyer if you want to protect and preserve your assets. So if you have more money than $60,000 in the bank or in cash, and uh, you have more real estate other than your house, then you need to do some other things. Uh, but if you're broke, if all you have is a house, if all you have is $60,000, then... Uh, maybe you don't need to see a lawyer. Um, not telling you what you should do. I'm just telling you what your options are. Okay, we're about to take a break. So I just want to remind you that we're on 9:30 a.m. The Answer, and you can also listen to this program on Apple Podcast, or you can stream from TalkLawRadio.com. And while you're there, looking at TalkLawRadio.com. You can listen to all kinds of other episodes about wills, trusts, premarital agreements, immigration law, uh, trademark and patent law, lots of things. Uh, I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and so I have a pretty large collection. When we come back, I want to talk about what happens when you uh, set up a living revocable trust and how you can uh, maintain your homestead exemption from property taxes, even though technically you're going to sign a deed over to this trust. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. For years, we've heard how important it is to avoid probate through a living trust. You want to do the best thing, but frankly, don't quite understand what probate is or how a living trust can help you. Attorney Todd Marquardt can help. He makes it easy to understand so you can avoid what a nightmare probate could be for your family. Call and make an appointment. Marquardt Law Firm makes it so simple to set up a living trust so you can feel secure now. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved one settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here talking about real estate law today. And in our first segment, we talked about the homestead exemption in the Texas Constitution and the Texas Property Code. Now I'd like to talk about uh, what happens when you transfer your home to a living revocable trust. So the Living Revocable Trust is a a way of organizing your estate. It's a way of uh, bypassing the probate process. It's a way of making sure that you have a plan for that time when you become disabled and incapacitated. It's like having a business entity where you name your successors, like the vice president. We just call them a successor trustee. So in order to make that living revocable trust work well, we want to make sure that it owns your assets. That way when you pass away, 
technically you don't have any assets in your estate because all of your assets are owned by your trust. So in order to do that, when you have a home, we draft a deed. Deed from you to yourself as the trustee of the living revocable trust. Well, when you do that, you file it in the real property records. There's a secret message from the real property records that gets sent to the county tax appraisal office. All it says is a deed's been filed. There's been a change. So even if you had your property tax exemptions all set up, well, now the the tax appraisal office is getting a message that there's been a change. So a lot of times they send out a letter. I think it's automatically computer-generated, sent to you asking you if you want your homestead exemption. Yes, you didn't want to lose it in the first place. Well, you didn't actually lose it, but you have to fill this form out and you have to send it in or they're going to assume that the change means that it's no longer a homestead. So if you need help filling that out, get some help because it's important for you to maintain your homestead property tax exemption. I call it an exemption. Really, it's a a cap on on how much you're taxed, Uh, but we're splitting here. So you fill out that form, make sure you send it in, and if you have to, sometimes I I do this for my clients, I send a letter that says, uh, cites the law, Texas law, uh, section 11.13J of the Texas Tax Code, and section 41.0021 of the Texas Property Code that says that it's what they call a qualifying trust, meaning that you still get to keep that homestead tax exemption. If you have other tax exemptions, like uh, if you're a veteran, uh, you have to meet certain requirements, you can maintain those tax exemptions also. You don't lose them just because you have... Uh, the property titled in the living revocable trust. Okay, so next I want to talk about gifts. Usually this comes up where somebody says, I want to put uh, my boyfriend or girlfriend on the deed. Or they say, I want to put my son, daughter, or grandchild on the deed. Uh, What they don't realize is that Putting somebody's name on the deed means that you're making a gift. You're, you're transferring, you're conveying real estate title uh, without fair market consideration. And you could say, I'll, I'll sell it to you for $1, or I'll sell it to you for $10, I'll sell it to you for $100. Well, whatever, you, whatever the difference is between that and the actual fair market value, that's going to be the value of the gift. Well, there's consequences for making gifts. And I'll keep hitting this throughout the show today because um, there are other laws that become affected when you start messing around with your real estate. The one other law that sort of is coordinated with this real estate law is the tax law for gifts. Now, there's a a tax law that says uh, you don't have to file a 709 gift tax return if the value of a gift is less than $15,000 to a single person. If the value of the gift is more than that, let's say I give uh, my house to my three kids, well, even if you divide that up, Um, each one of them is going to be getting value more than $15,000 each. So then I would have to submit, file and submit the uh, 709 gift tax return. Well, the other, one of the other problems with that is the IRS is now keeping track of my lifetime gifts. Well, this year, if I leave gifts less than $11,700,000, there's going to be no gift tax. Um, But if I leave more than that throughout my lifetime, then that's when the gift tax applies. And it also reduces my my federal estate tax 
uh, exemption. Again, I use that word exemption. The tax lawyers will use different words. I, I like to talk like most people so that it's easier to understand. Um, so the it affects your lifetime exemption for federal gift taxes. It affects your federal estate tax exemption. And let's say in that scenario where uh, I want my three kids to, to have the property, well, now they're all going to be jointly and severally liable for whatever happens on that property. If, if somebody slips and falls, well, then all three of them are going to be uh, potentially liable, personally liable for that. And if one of them happens to owe the IRS money on their federal income taxes, or if one of them happens to owe more money to other individuals for lawsuits, liens, or whatever, potentially these other two could be dragged into that. So you just want to be careful that you know what the unintended consequences might be. I have lots of clients that just don't care. They say, well, that's up to them. If they have problems, they can figure it out. Other people say, well, hey, I don't want to create a problem where one didn't exist in the first place. Another tax law that is affected by a gift during life is the adjusted basis. Now, basis is the word that means the price you paid for the real estate. When you pass away, the price you paid for the real estate becomes the fair market value as of your date of death. That basis value is what the IRS uses to calculate your capital gain when there's a sale. Well, if I give the property away while I'm still alive, then the grantees, the people who I'm giving the property to, say my three kids, they will get my basis in the property. So even if I bought the property 50 years ago, well, that's going to be their basis. And so if they sell the property uh, sometime after that, even right after I give it to them, they're still going to have 50 years of gain. You know, hopefully real estate appreciates. And then they'll, they'll have to pay capital gains tax on that. Let's say it's 25%. Well, that's that's a quarter to taxes. If they inherit the property, on the other hand, then and they sell it the day after I pass away, maybe uh, the then the adjusted basis comes into play, and the fair market value equals the uh, cost basis. So there's really no appreciation from uh, the day of my death to the day after my death, and so they save all that capital gains tax. Now, there might be other reasons that you want to give your property away while you're still alive. I'm going to talk about that next because uh, you might be trying to qualify for government benefits. Now, you don't go to jail for doing things like that, but there could be penalties. There's there's a look back for uh, applying for Medicaid, like for nursing home to pay for the high cost of long-term care. There's also a look back if you apply for the veteran's pension, uh, especially aid in attendance. And you might not know about these penalties, but ignorance is no excuse. So you need to know what the consequences might be or what they're going to be before you take an action that's going to change your position. If it's going to cause a tax or if it's going to cause a penalty, you want to know ahead of time so that you can plan for that and make sure that you know how the taxes are going to be paid. You want to know how your long-term care is going to be paid, whether it's at home from a home care provider, whether it's in assisted living or memory care, or whether it's like in a nursing community where you have a nurse around uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay, so we're going to talk more specifically about the uh, look back on Medicaid and the veterans' pension uh, after we come back from a break. 
want to remind you, this is 9.30 a.m. The Answer. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. And if you want to listen to this program again, if you want to send it to your parents, <laughs> let them know they can find it on TalkLawRadio.com. And you can even search for different episodes talking about wills, um, trusts, elder law, Medicaid, veterans pension. Uh, there's lots of episodes that your parents might want to listen to. You can set up their uh, iPhone or Android device so that that uh, web page is easy to find, so that they just have one button to click. Uh, my wife taught me recently uh, how to save a website page as an icon on my iPhone. Uh, we were having to do that when we were going to watch my son play high school baseball. We always have to do this screening, answer these questions on an app, on a website, to whether or not we've been sneezing, coughing, or other have other COVID-related symptoms. So we're going to go take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about real estate, gifts, and government benefits. Stay tuned. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com. We've been talking about real estate, living revocable trusts, homestead exemption, gift taxes, and now we're going to talk about how real estate and government benefits are related. Some people need long-term care. Now, what that means is when somebody really needs to assist you in your activities of daily living, like uh, walking, transferring, toileting, showering. Um, there's probably some others, but those are the ones that I can remember. You know, when an older person or a d disabled person needs help getting around the house or they need to be protected in their living environment. Well, you can imagine how your your household budget and your expenses go from one level and skyrocketing up to a whole nother stratosphere in expenses. And I think that's because doctors have figured out how to keep us alive a long time. Now we're just living longer with disability and incapacity. So you might not want to have to spend a lot of money on a home care provider or assisted living or memory care or nursing community, but it just might fall into your lap. If you have a fall and you're frail, if you develop Alzheimer's or dementia, if you have a heart attack or a stroke and you just can't take care of yourself. So that's why you need to plan for this. Now, some people didn't have the means to plan. They didn't know about long-term care insurance. And they find themselves in an emergency situation where uh, their money is going faster than it's coming in then they might have to apply for government benefits like Medicaid. Now, Medicaid pays the best when someone is in a nursing home. Um, and so when, when you're applying for Medicaid, uh, the reason that we're talking about it in real estate is real estate is exempt. They don't count the value of the real estate against you when you're applying for Medicaid. So Medicaid says you have to have low assets and low income, but you're allowed to have a house. And why is that? Well, because some people that go into the nursing home do get better, and you don't want to spend, you don't want to sell the house, spend all the money, and then have nowhere to live when you get better. So the state law says that, that there's an exception for that, up to a certain limit. The equity has to be less than or equal to $585,000, and you have to intend to return home. So if you have a house 
and you go move into the nursing home and you say, I like it here. I'm never going to leave. I do not intend to go home. Well, then it's not exempt. They're going to count the value against you. So you have to tell everybody that asks, yes, I intend to go home. Even if you don't think it's possible or probable, if I did get better, I would go home. (laughs) I always intend to go home. Okay, so there's that equity limit, $585,000, or or maybe it's $595,000. The way that they look at that is, well, they'll deduct the amount that you owe on the mortgage. So you might have to show that calculation. There are other exceptions to the equity cap also, um, but you should probably talk to a lawyer about that. You want to make sure that uh, the legal circumstances and your circumstances align. So don't change your position just based on what I'm saying right now. You want to ask a lawyer about your specific circumstances. This is just general information that you could find anyway if you just open up all the code books. So there's that equity cap uh, that has its own exceptions. And so this is an asset that many people have, even though they qualified for government benefits, and they still have it after they pass away. So the federal law was changed in 2005 to try and recover the value from all of these homes. It's called Medicaid Estate Recovery Program, M-E-R-P, or some attorneys will say MERP. I don't like to use made-up words that nobody knows what you're talking about, so I don't say MERP. I say Medicaid Estate Recovery Program. Most people understand what that is. Anyway, when you go into the nursing home, even if you're helping a friend or family member, usually the business office manager will tell you, if you apply for Medicaid, they're going to take your home. What they're talking about is Medicaid estate recovery. Well, there are exceptions for that program as well. And so you should definitely see an attorney if you just plan on applying for Medicaid so that you know what all the consequences are going to be before you jump into it. And you want to make sure that you're going to be successful in that application. So I would seek out an elder law attorney. We elder law attorneys consider Medicaid benefits to fall under that category, elder law attorney. Uh, Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm do that uh, if you ever have those questions. Uh, Also, what comes to mind when applying for this uh, government benefit, some people will say, well, I'm going to give away the house while I'm still alive. Well, if you do that, then that's going to be a gift or a transfer for less than fair market value in anticipation of qualifying for Medicaid benefits. So Medicaid has this rule that says if you give away assets within 60 months, that's five years, of applying for nursing home Medicaid, they will presume that you did it on purpose in order to get qualified. They want to discourage people from doing that, and so they say if you have made gifts, then we're going to penalize you. The penalty isn't jail time. It's financial penalty. Uh, You don't have to pay a penalty or a fine to the state of Texas or anyone. The penalty is, even though technically you're below the asset limit, we're still not going to pay for your nursing home care. So if the nursing home's not getting paid, well, the nursing home doesn't have to allow you to stay there. So you have to figure all this out. But just know that there's probably other ways of planning and protecting your assets other than giving away your house. Okay, for VA benefits for the veteran's pension, including uh, aid and attendance, the rules are a little bit different. 
any transfer of assets that is for less than fair market value. For VA's perspective, they they call it an uncompensated transfer or a gift. The VA uh, will penalize gifts made within 36 months, three years, before you apply for the benefit. They call that the look-back period. So it's not just Medicaid benefits, it's also VA benefits. And, and the penalty is similar for the VA. You just want to make sure that you know what you're getting into. You want to make sure and plan around that. Oh, I wanted to mention something else about the living revocable trust. Uh, when you transfer the deed from yourself as an individual to yourself as trustee of the Living Revocable Trust. Many people ask me, if my house has a mortgage on it, can I still do this? Generally speaking, your lender does not want you to give away property that you have a mortgage or a promissory note because that real estate is collateral for the loan. If you stop paying, they want to get that home from you. They want to foreclose on it, sell it, and pay off your debt. Well, there's an exception to the due on sale clause. that They say if you give away your property, then your note is due. Or if you sell the property, then your note is due. You have to pay it off right away. There's an exception to the due on sale clause for living revocable trusts. It's a federal law. Um, that I know as uh, the Garn St. Germain Act. And it's under 12 U.S.C. section 1701 J 3D8. And so the law calls this exception an exception for an inter vivos trust. That's the same thing as a living revocable trust. Inter vivos is Latin for during life. So I just wanted to mention that you can still use a living revocable trust even if you have a mortgage on your home. Some people like to use LLCs to protect real estate. Well, there's no exception to the due on sale clause if you transfer real estate into an LLC. So if you transfer your home or you transfer any real estate that has a mortgage on it into an LLC, the bank or the mortgage company could call that note due immediately, and you have to be ready to pay it. Now, if you want to use an LLC, you can simply call the bank or the mortgage company and ask them, you know, can I make this transfer? They may want, you know, to restructure the loan, if you're going to do that, uh, they may want to uh, change the interest that you're paying because it's it's now a business or commercial type transaction. Uh, in any case, it, you may still want to do it if if you think or your lawyer thinks that an LLC is going to be good to protect that real estate, then you may want to go ahead and do it and pay the additional interest as the cost for protection. We'll talk more about LLCs and real estate in just a few moments. We're going to take another break and just want to remind you we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer Radio and you can also find this program on Apple Podcasts or TalkLawRadio.com. I had a friend who said, well, I guess I can't listen to your podcast because I don't use iPhone, I have an Android. Nope, you can still listen because any device can go to TalkLawRadio.com and you can listen from there. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about LLCs. We'll talk about um, transfer on death deed. We might even talk about uh, affidavit of airship. So stay tuned. For years. 
years, we've heard how important it is to avoid probate through a living trust. You want to do the best thing, but frankly, don't quite understand what probate is or how a living trust can help you. Attorney Todd Marquardt can help. He makes it easy to understand so you can avoid what a nightmare probate could be for your family. Call and make an appointment. Marquardt Law Firm makes it so simple to set up a living trust so you can feel secure now. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved one settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And if you want to watch this or listen to this program again, you can go to Apple Podcasts or TalkLawRadio.com or Facebook Live. I forgot to mention that. That's another avenue for uh, seeing this program. I was introducing the concept of transferring real estate to LLC. That means limited liability company. An LLC is a creature of the state legislature. They sort of created this entity. It's a combination of features from a general partnership and a corporation. So some people find that this structure is better for them than a partnership or a corporation. Again, if you want to look into doing that for yourself, you want to hire an attorney, give you legal advice about your specific circumstances. This is just general information. The whole thing with limited liability companies is limiting your liability. When we engage in business and commerce, uh, we're open to liability. If we make a mistake, if we do something wrong, if somebody's injured, then they're going to file a lawsuit. And if a judge says you have to pay, that means you're liable. And the law allows us to limit that liability by doing business within an entity like a limited liability company. There's other types of entities where you can limit your liability. There's something called a limited partnership. There's a limited liability, a limited partnership. And you just have to talk to a lawyer to find out what's best for you. But the most common question people have for me is they're, they're already thinking they need an LLC. So they ask, what are the benefits of putting real estate into an LLC? Well, members of an LLC, those are the owners, they have limited liability and they participate in the management of the company. Generally, the liability of the members is limited to their investment. So that could be the property. If, if the judge says you did it and you're responsible, you're financially liable for that, then maybe the value of the property is going to be up for grabs. But at least the judgment creditor is not going to be able to come after your personal assets. What are the disadvantages? Well, <laughs> people contemplating forming an LLC have to talk to a lawyer. Some people uh, don't like to talk to lawyers. They say attorneys are arrogant. Um, one of my wife's relatives, when I was uh, going into law school, she said, you know that class where attorneys learn how to be arrogant? Don't take that class. <laughs> Some people don't like to pay legal fees. Like I said before, that's up to you, but the legal fees are probably less than losing the asset in its entirety, and it's probably less than the lawsuit that you're going to have to pay a lawyer to defend. And some people just don't like the complexity of it. Uh, they don't understand how uh, the business can be separate from them, or they just don't want to. Um, don't want to follow all of the steps that you should follow when you're running a business uh, in an entity. Some other disadvantages would be, you know, if if you got that due on sale clause that I was talking about before the the break, 
Um, but don't be fooled into thinking that the LLC shields you from the liability on the mortgage or the note itself. So if the LLC, if the bank or the mortgage company does give you permission to make the transfer to the LLC, you're not going to be able to bypass your obligation to pay the mortgage. Are there tax advantages with an LLC? Well, only the person who prepares your individual federal income tax return can tell you for sure whether you might be able to reduce your federal income tax liability with an LLC. Attorneys can help you with that analysis as well. First, we have to see your tax return because that's based on income that you're receiving from other sources. We need to know about all of the income that you're receiving, not just the income that's going to be received from this one asset. Depending on elections made by the LLC and the other members, the other owners, uh, the IRS can treat the LLC as either a corporation, a traditional corporation, a partnership, or a subchapter S partnership, or you might be treated as a disregarded entity. So generally speaking, an LLC with two members uh, would be treated as a partnership for federal income tax purposes unless you file a Form 8832 with the IRS and elect to be treated as a corporation. You might want to be treated as a corporation. Again, that's an analysis that you want to thoughtfully perform before you change your circumstances. Don't just jump into this. You want to think about it. You want to get legal advice. You want to get professional advice, comprehensive advice. So talk to an attorney. Okay, I want to turn now to the transfer on death deed. Uh, This is only for real estate. A new Texas state law allows real property owners to record a transfer on death deed. By the way, this is really interesting. Uh, What do the first letters of each word of transfer on death deed spell? T-O-D-D. Hey, that's me, Todd. (laughs) So transfer on death deed is something where you can name a beneficiary to own that real estate after you die. So it's a deed that you sign and file today, but doesn't really affect the conveyance until after death. Um, Something interesting is that you can change your mind. It's revocable. You can change the beneficiary so long as you're alive and you have capacity to understand what you're doing. So the questions I ask when somebody asks me about this or when I'm recommending it, you might consider a transfer on death deed if you answer yes to the following questions. Do you own your home? Do you own real estate in addition to your home? Do you want to avoid probate? Do you want your estate planning to be simple for you to carry out? That's different than if do you want your estate planning to be simple for your beneficiaries after you pass away? Do you want to keep the family, the property in the family? If so, then you might not want to do this. Uh, do you have children from a prior relationship? Do, does your spouse have children from a prior relationship? These are all reasons you might want something more comprehensive. Yeah, it's going to be more complicated, but you want it to work. Would the beneficiaries of your property be good business partners? This is something you need to think ahead about because in my mind, I don't want the children or my beneficiaries to have a worse relationship after I'm gone than before I passed away. I'd like to help them maintain positive family relationships. I want to help people reduce family conflict. That's why I ask about these things. And and don't just put your head in the sand and think that all of your children, all of your beneficiaries are angels. Uh, you want to really dig into this and find out if there's an underlying family circumstance where somebody got mad at somebody else. Are you planning for government benefits to pay for your long-term 
assisted or nursing care? Are any of your beneficiaries disabled, incapacitated, or receiving any means-tested government benefits? Would your beneficiaries use your financial legacy for positive purposes or negative purposes, like unhealthy addictions to alcohol, drugs, gambling, or pornography? You might want a different strategy if that's the case. And does the value of your family business, retirement fund, savings, and real estate equal or exceed the federal estate exemption amount? You might want a more comprehensive plan. Another thing that is related to real estate is the affidavit of airship. There are eight categories of receivables I've received from realtors after the title company attempted affidavits of airship. This is something that some people think works after you pass, after somebody passes away to uh, get the estate transferred or the real estate transferred into the heirs. Okay, if you want to get a certain piece of real estate transferred and conveyed after death into the name of the heirs. So this is like if you have no will, no trust, no planning whatsoever. An affidavit of heirship is just a sworn statement of who was related to you when you passed away. So there's problems when this comes up. If you just have a will or a trust with your written wishes, then you don't have to rely on the state law. But if you don't have a will, you don't have a trust, then the state of Texas gets to decide who gets your stuff, including your real estate. And chances are it's just going to be somebody that's related to you. And it might not be distributed in the way that you want. So again, this is a time when you should contact an attorney to talk about what you want to happen if you pass away. I didn't get to talk about all the problems that come up from Affidavit of Airship. So if you email me at host at talklawradio.com, I will email you a flyer that has these eight circumstances when there was a problem with the Affidavit of Airship. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk more later.